You find yourself in a hole that you hardly even see the light. But let me tell you, you're not there alone. There's a God in heaven that loves you, that has promised no matter the deepest place that you may go or the highest place you may go, he'll be there with you. And sometimes that's where faith is. Although you don't see him, he sees you. And you just reach out in that, in, in, in that area and you just grab hold of him. That's what faith is, is even when we don't see him. I'm going to ask you if you would take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. We're going to be studying tonight and today um, just a passage and that song that we had an opportunity of singing, Nothing But the Blood, is just absolutely just rang in my ears um, over the last several days. I've been studying and reading through just the book of Leviticus, and you know, when you read through Leviticus, you wow. Um, Sometimes you think, wow, well, you know, what's going on here? But, but there's truth there. It's through the book of Leviticus we find that there's life in the blood flow, folks. And there's a great picture of what occurs that whom we celebrate in Jesus Christ. And, and also the, the writer of Hebrews is, is actually, he's writing to a group of, 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 of Christians who were, who were Israelites who had, had come out of Judaism. And what he's trying to do is tie in um, their past teachings to who they are and, and letting them know that Christ is better. That all these things that you've been taught about all your life are just a picture of something even better to come. And it's a beautiful, beautiful treatise on how Christ fulfills the Old Testament. And that, we want, I want to take just a part of that and look at it today and, um, and pray that God would take this and work within your hearts today, especially as we celebrate together the Lord's Supper. We're going to be looking today at, 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 at Hebrews, the, the ninth chapter, verses 11 through 15. And, and I just pray today, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, that you might understand there's power in the blood. No matter what past you may have, no matter how disappointed you have in yourself, if you've disappointed others, or you think you've disappointed God, and, and how can God love me? Let me tell you, there's power in the blood. And you can seek everywhere else you can seek, and sadly, that's what we normally do. We look every place else, and we find that that cannot heal my hurt, my pain, my sorrow, my emptiness, my shame, but only Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to remember today. Let's all stand together as we read together. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, we're going to be looking at verse 11 and following. Again, the, the writer of Hebrews is, is speaking about that, that all the things that, that were remembered in the past, um, in the Jewish tradition, the, the, the priests, the tabernacles, the, the offerings that were made through the blood of goats year after year after year, that crosses the fulfillment of those. And that he has come, those are just pictures of something greater. And, and, and today, I pray that you can grab that and, and, and you can say, wow, God, what have you done? Look what you've done for me. He was speaking about the high priest that had to go, had to go into the temple year after year, offering sacrifices year after year after year there in the holy place. But folks, when Jesus came, everything changed. 
In verse 11, the Bible says, but Christ, or, or the Messiah, come as a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Jesus did not enter into a physical tabernacle made with the hands of man. Folks, he entered into the tabernacle of heaven itself. There in the very presence of God himself, there in the heavenly tabernacles, to stand before the great I am, to stand before God Almighty. And then he also said that, that not only did he not enter into an earthly tabernacle, but a heavenly ta- tabernacle, and it says, neither by the blood of goats and calves. He didn't sacrifice a goat or a calf. How did he go in? He says, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling of the unclean sanctifieth the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament or the New Covenant, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they that which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Oh, wow, that's good news. Let's pray. Father God, we just pray that you'd bless this time, and and God, just open our minds that we can understand our hearts, that God, that we can receive, and and God, that we can just fulfill, God, that which you would have of us. Lord, you know every need in this place today. Meet us there in those deepest of needs, those spiritual needs, dear Father. And God, I pray today that, that, Lord, that you would wash us, dear Father. God, I pray your presence, Holy Spirit, just take control of this place. And God, that we might know you better. In Christ's name, amen and amen. I want you to think about something just a moment. And what if today was the very first day that you've ever walked into a, a church service such as this? You didn't know anything about Christian tradition. You didn't know anything about the Bible. You'd had, had nothing to base your experience on. And, and you walked in here this morning, and you began to hear songs like you would, if we, we maybe would have sung that, that um, songs like, There's a Fountain Filled with Blood, drawn from Emmanuel's Veins. And then you'd hear the song that, that, that we sang, What Can Wash Away My Sins, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And then you said, as, as we shared in communion, the Lord's Supper to get together, and you heard this phrase that was spoken from the Bible by Jesus himself and said, this cup is a New Testament in my blood. Now, if you walked in from the streets and never knew anything of Christian, tra- Christian cr- tradition, you'd have to be thinking to yourself, what is going on here? What's all this talk about the blood? What's all these songs about the blood? What is going on here? Well, let me tell you, friend, it is about the blood. And as a matter of fact, that we're going to look this morning that, that, that in the area of man's relationship with God, it was, it was nothing but the blood. And that's what we want to study this morning. And I, I pray that you would just allow your, your mind to go, allow God to speak to you as, as we begin to study because the Word of God, and I encourage you, if you do not have a, a copy of the Word of God, you need one. 
If you don't have one, you can't afford one, I promise we will put one in your hands today. Because it's through the Word of God that we can know truth. And it was Jesus who said, and you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And that's what we desire for you, to find that freedom that we've already had an opportunity to sing about today. Because the Bible teaches us that if you begin to look throughout the whole Bible, it's, it's broken into two major sections, the, the New Testament for which we read today, and also the Old Testament. And basically the Old Testament speaks about the things before Jesus Christ came into the world, world and how, how God just um, moved through the hearts of men, through, um, through the Israelite people, and then the New Testament is, 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 is when Jesus came into the world and, and how God fulfilled what he started in the, in the Old Testament. But one thing that you find about the Bible, if you would read the Bible from beginning to end, you'll find that it's, it's full of description of the blood of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, one person says, you can't open the Bible anywhere, any page, and not find the blood of Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Why is it such a big deal that the Bible would focus so much on, on, on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We, we begin to find the pictures of that even in the very beginning of the Bible. Within Genesis, when, when God created man, he created man for fellowship. He, he created man for relationship. He created man in a, and placed him in a perfect world. Wouldn't that be great? But it was man who chose to disobey God. God gave man, as he created man in his own image, he gave man a volition, he gave him the ability to choose. To choose, that's what separates us from the rest of creation. And to do that, God had to put something there within the early creation that would even allow man to choose to reject him. And that's what God placed that that gave man that opportunity of choice. And guess what? Man chose to reject God. And folks, that's the basis of all sin. That when you speak of sin in the Bible, it's just man's rebellion against God. Where man wants to make our own self the God. We want to do our own thing. I think we would all admit that the, the, probably the root of, of, of all of our problems is our own self. Folks, man without God is a very selfish being. And so man was separated from God. The Bible says our sins will separate us from God. But God still loved the relationship with man so much that even in the early beginnings of man, there's a picture where man was... was, was, was was, was, was physically naked, but more than that, he was spiritually naked. He was ashamed of his sin. And the Bible says God took an innocent animal. And the blood of that innocent animal was, was, was shed, and a covering from that innocent animal's skin was made to cover man's nakedness. And folks, that's a beautiful picture of what God would do many years later. That that which is innocent would be shed uh, would shed his blood to cover our sins. We see that throughout Scripture and th even throughout the Old Testament stories such as that, that even when, when God had asked, would ask Abraham to, to give of his son, and Abraham was going to, to sacrifice his son, that God gave a substitute, a ram was slain as a substitution for his son. We also see on the night before the Israelites were led out of bondage in Egypt. That God would send a death angel that would touch every home, but God told the people to take a, an innocent lamb, take him into your house, shed the blood of that lamb, take that blood and put it on your, 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 the lentils of your house, and anyone who's under the blood, the death angel will pass over. 
Can't you see the story of the blood as it weaved throughout the Old Testament? And then when God set up a, a system that's called the, called the Levitical system, that where people would be reminded of their sin and the need of cleansing of their sin, that he set up a, a place that was called the tabernacle, which, is a, uh, which was a, a picture of where the presence of God. But there at the tabernacle, before man could enter into the presence of God, one high priest, one time a year, that a lamb would have to be offered for the sins of the people. The atonement. Lamb of the atonement. And once every year, that, that priest would first of all have to cleanse himself, and then he would go behind the veil, considered to be the presence of God, uh, considered to be where the presence of God would, and he would sprinkle the blood of that innocent lamb year after year after year. To remind people of their separation from God because of their sin. So year after year after year this happened. Until Jesus came. Because those were pictures of a greater sacrifice to come. And when Jesus Christ came, he offered his blood once and for all. And that's why this passage says, but the Messiah, when the Jesus came, everything changed. And so I'm, I'm here to speak to you today, no matter who you are, no matter what type of background that you've had, no matter how much regret, no matter how much guilt, no matter how much shame, no matter how much of a mess that, that you have made of your life, remember Jesus has come for you. And Jesus has come and he, he went to the presence of God in that heavenly tabernacle. And he didn't take the blood of the bulls and the goats. He took his own blood and said, it's been offered for you. Your sins have been forgiven. Now I want you to look this morning and, and, and let us understand that, that why it's so important for the blood of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else can take away your sins. There's nothing else that can heal your hurt. There's nothing else that can provide eternal inheritance from you but the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we find within this passage this morning as, as the Word of God teaches us in verse 11. But Christ being come as a high priest, he was the great high priest of the good things to come, that by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You see, there's only by the blood of Jesus can we receive the joy, the blessing, the gift of eternal redemption. And I want us to stop, and I want to think about two words that are spoken there, the, 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 the word redemption and also the word eternal. You might think about what is this idea about redemption? To redeem, as, as used within this passage, it always has the idea of, uh, of to, to free something or to release something or to buy back something or pay a ransom for something. And that's what has occurred within the life of every believer or in, in the life of every person, that when we live our lives apart from God, that we sell ourselves into sin. Let me just tell you a wonderful story that I think best explains the idea of redemption in Scripture. In the Old Testament, there was a, there was a prophet by the name of Hosea. Hosea was a lover of God, and God was going to use Hosea to, to get, show a great example of how he loved Israel, even though Israel turned their backs on him. 
He told this prophet to go into the community and to marry a prostitute. Now, what type of deal is that, you may think? But Hosea was obedient. He went out and he married a woman whose name was Gomer. He brought Gomer into his house, and immediately, although he brought Gomer into his house as his wife, she, she always had wandering eyes. They had one child and then had another child, and even through the scriptures, we, it seems to, to say that that child was not even Hosea's. I mean, she had even was out having relationships with other men while she was married to a prophet of God, committing adultery against Hosea. But then after, but, but then after a while, she didn't want to stay home anymore. As a matter of fact, her eyes continued to, to wander. Her heart does, had that adulterous attitude, and, and she just left Hosea altogether. And she began to sell herself and probably her body to the men of the community. And to the point that sin will always catch up with you. And after a while, she had nothing and actually had to sell herself into slavery. This woman who had been loved by a prophet of God, a man, a, a, a man that hung with her even though she had children that was not his, had found herself at the end of the road. But then God told Hosea this, I want you to go to the slave market and I want you to buy her back. Now, I'm sure Hosea scratched his head. But Hosea was obedient. And he went back to that slave market. And the very woman that had broken his heart so much, he purchased her back for the price of a slave and brought her back. And God says, this is how I love my people. Although they keep turning their heart against me and selling themselves in the sin for me, I'm going to purchase you back. I'm going to pay the price to get you off that slave market. Folks, when you and me act as Gomer and we continue to run away from God and, and, and sell ourselves unto sin, Paul says we've become slaves to sin. We can't purchase our own freedom. No one else can purchase our freedom for us because they're slaves to sin also. There only could one come to purchase us off that slave market of sin, and that was Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? That Christ redeemed us, that Christ shed his blood, and the only way that, that, that only price that could be paid for you and me was his own shed blood. God gave the best he had to go to purchase us back. I love Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners, when, when we were running away as slaves of sin, just like Gomer, not wanting anything to do with God. The Bible says Christ died for us. And folks, that's what redemption means, is that when Jesus Christ entered into that holy temple, that he, he entered there for you and me, and he entered with the price to pay our redemption. And he came to the Father and says, listen, I have the price to pay for these who have sold themselves into sin, and it's my own blood. I give myself for them. Does God love you? You better believe God loves you. He gave his own son, Jesus Christ. 
Does Jesus Christ love you? You better bet. He gave His life for you and for me. That Christ has redeemed you from the penalty and the slaveship of sin. No matter what sin, no matter what sin you may have occurred, but you think, well, he can't, he, can't, he can't pay enough for my sin. The Bible says the blood of Christ cleanses you from all of your sin. I like that. Man, there is no blood, there is no sin more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. And what's so neat about it, not only he's come to give us redemption, that he has come to pay our price as he entered into that holy tabernacle. The Bible says he has given us eternal redemption. Folks, the Bible says he came one time, and that's all that was needed. Not like the priest of old that had to go year after year after year because there was not power in the blood of those um, bulls and goats. But folks, when Jesus Christ entered into the sanctuary with a perfect sacrifice, it was all done. It is eternal. Christ has sealed those that are his eternally. He does not have to shed his blood, not one drop, another moment. He shed it one time for you and me. And don't you let someone tell you any different. He came to, he came to buy. He didn't come and buy it temporary, folks. He didn't come for just the two weeks. or He didn't come and say, well, if you, if you do right, Gomer, I'm going, to, I'm, going, I'm going to, if you don't do right, I'm going to kick you back out. No, when Hosea brought Gomer back, he brought her back home. When Jesus Christ went behind that veil and he, pay, he paid that eternal, he paid our price once and for all. Folks, we're blood-bought by the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good stuff? He entered into the tabernacle once, not with the blood of... Goats and bulls, but he by his own precious blood to secure eternal redemption. But it doesn't stop there. Boy, I love. Then it says, but how much more shall the blood of Christ, in verse 14, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What is he saying there? He's saying nothing but the blood, or it's only through the blood can we find the peace, the peace of a cleansed conscience. The idea of the conscience here is speaking about the mind. It's speaking about that soulish nature of the man. It's with the conscience that, that when God created man, again, something that has separated man from other all of creation, that when he created us, he created us with a soul and with a conscience. As a matter of fact, within that conscience, the Bible teaches us that it's that moral compass that God has placed within our lives to teach us right and wrong. As a matter of fact, the Word of God teaches us over in Romans, you may um, think about people that's that's in a a land that's never heard about the law of God or the teachings of God, but, but God speaks about those people who have the law written upon their heart. Every one of us, when we're born, we have the law of God written on our heart, and that's called the conscience. This is where God speaks to us through our conscience between right and wrong. Can the conscience get seared? Absolutely. But yet, when we all come into this world, there's this sense of, of doing that which is right and that sense of doing that which is wrong. It's that conscience from where we get the feelings of guilt. It's from the conscience that we get that feeling of shame. But what the Bible teaches us that that when Jesus Christ came, he came to not only to, to give us eternal redemption, but also to purify our conscience. Why is that so important? 
Because, folks, until you fully understand what Christ has done for you, that he has wiped your sin away forever, you, you may still feel guilty for that sin. I know a lot of people who, who have come to Christ, who knows Christ, but they're still dogged by their past. Still within their mind, they had these feelings of guilt that, that maybe I shouldn't have done this or maybe I shouldn't have done that, and, and, and therefore they can never live to be everything that Christ has you to be because of, because of these past, and, 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 and the enemy will bring those thoughts up to our mind. Things that sometimes you just can't get over. Something that, that went on with, with, with a family member, something that, that, that you did that maybe, maybe you lived a really promiscuous lifestyle within your, within your youth and you just can't get over the fact that, that look where I was and you're, and you're conscious or that guilt just continues to come up and it continues to rob you of the joy of your salvation. You see, when Christ came, he came to, to save us completely. He came not only to save us from the penalty of our sin, but he's also come to save us from, from even the guilt of that sin. And folks, that's a powerful thing. That I don't have to allow the past to dog me anymore. Not only has my, my penalty been paid, but, but I don't even have to be guilty anymore because he has taken my sin, the Bible says, and he's nailed it upon the cross. He's taken my guilt and he's, he's nailed it upon the cross. And so therefore, I can have a conscience that's not only been, that, that it's not only clean, but it's been redeemed also. Folks, I don't have to live yesterday. Isn't that, isn't that sweet, Danita? Yesterday's yesterday. And that's under the blood. That not only, again, he's redeemed me of my sin, but he's also given me a pure conscience. I, when I read this story, I, I, I read this idea about the conscience. It always reminds me of a, of a short story that just always intrigued me. Edgar Allan Poe wrote that short story. That was called The Telltale Heart. And if you're familiar with that story, it's a pretty dark story about a guy lived with another man, just an old man, and kind of had a, a wandering eye, and I think the guy had a guilty conscience because everywhere he looked, that guy was kind of looking at him. And God had never done anything wrong to him, but after a while he couldn't, he couldn't take it, and he killed the old man. And he buried him up under the floorboards of his house. And just like we do with sin, after we do something wrong, we try to convince ourselves there's really nothing that wrong with it. That was really, couldn't be bad at all, but, but what happened is, 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 is all the guy could hear is that heart beating. Whether it was of his, something real or whether it was of his mind, but see, that was his guilt. He couldn't turn anywhere in that house without hearing that heart beating. That heart beating, and it drove him insane. You see, folks, that's what guilt will do for you. If you don't deal with the, the guilt in your life, it's going to be like that telltale heart. It's just going to keep beating and keep beating, and it's going to affect every part of your life. But the Bible says he, through his blood, has even given us a pure conscience that we can put that old telltale heart quiet. Isn't that good stuff? You don't have to deal with that anymore. Don't let somebody bring up your past if you've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's yesterday, folks. We're to forget those things that are past and move on to those things which are forward. Man, that's good stuff. The Bible says old things, all, any man being Christ, old things have passed away. Don't, let, don't drag them back anymore, folks. 
He says, all things become new. But it's also through the blood of Christ that we can receive that only through the blood, through the promise of eternal inheritance. Look at this in verse 15, where he says, And for this cause he is a mediator of the New Testament, that by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, folks, let me explain to you that as a child of God, this is not your home. You're only passing through. And God has something so much better awaiting those that are His. See, that gives us hope. That gives us that based upon the promise of God that, 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 that no matter what occurs to me in my life, I've got something better awaiting me. Peter describes it this way as he is writing to suffering Christians um, across the, the world when he says in 1 Peter 3, 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again or allowed us to be born again into a lively hope, a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance which is uncorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. That idea reserved is like God has guards posted, posted at our inheritance. Nothing is going to get our inheritance. Nothing's going to keep us from getting what God has promised you and me. Even if we live 100 years on this old earth and grow to be an old man and the idea of man, that doesn't touch what eternity is going to be, dear friend. That Christ has an inheritance. Eugene Christ has an inheritance for you. The Bible says there's a street of gold for you to walk on. The Bible says there's a new body for you and me. There's a dwelling place awaiting us. Can you imagine that? And nothing can take that away, and it's an inheritance that will never be defiled and never grow old. And folks, that inheritance is a gift from God purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we must sing over and over again, there's nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can atone for our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can clear my conscience, take away my guilt? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can purchase from me that eternal inheritance, that place that I'll, I'll live in presence with God forever and ever and ever? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And today as we close this service, I ask you, do, have you been redeemed from the penalty of your sins? Again, you may have walked in here and think, I, I, you know, I've sold myself out. Nothing can take care of me. The blood of Christ can purchase you from your sins. Maybe you've walked in here today, and even though you, you believe that Christ has forgiven you your sin, but you're allowing the guilt of yesterday to rob you of the joy of today. The blood of Christ can cleanse you. He can give you a pure conscience from your sins. Maybe today you think, is this the best there is? No, there's much better. There's an inheritance waiting for those that are His that's purchased by the blood of Jesus. What I'm going to ask you in just a moment, I'm going to ask you today, to come to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and, and you've never known the joy of, a, of, of your sins forgiven and the peace 
that you're no longer separated from God, that you're in fellowship with God. God loves you so much that Jesus died for you. But you can only come to God through the blood. I'm inviting you to come to Jesus today. Someone will meet you right here and talk with you and, and show you the promises of heaven. I invite you to come. Maybe you're here today and guilt has just dogged you and dogged you and dogged you. Why don't you today come and put it under the blood? Why don't you put that, that under the, that, where that guilt is, you just come lay it on the altar and say, God, I'm leaving it here under the blood. I want a pure conscience today. Maybe you're here today. And wow, you don't know about tomorrow. I'm asking you to come to Jesus. He's got an eternal inheritance for you. I'm speaking about those to those who have never, they've never come in personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I ask you, I beg you to come. Let someone talk with you. Let someone pray with you. The blood of Christ can cleanse you from all of your sins. I'm speaking to those people that today maybe you've made decisions and and you want to stand up and boldly tell people, this is what Christ has done for me. Identify yourself with the body of Christ. I invite you to come and and let you you be presented before the uh, the church today. Maybe you're here today, church, and and today that Christ has spoken to you. It It could have been just through the time of song and then through the time of word, and you just need to come to the altar. And you need to get on your face and say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Folks, let this be a time of worship. Christ gave everything for you and me. His blood was shed for you and me. Now, I do know this in my many years of ministry. When we begin to sing on the blood, when we begin to preach on the blood, and we begin to accept the blood, there's an adversary that's not happy because he was destroyed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Don't let the adversary trick you. Don't let him convince you um, that, um, that this is not truth. You step through that deception and you come today. Don't wait on someone else. Come. I'm going to ask our team to come. As, as, as they're coming, they're going to be singing. I'm going to pray for a very short prayer. This is an important time of the service. Oh, honor Christ through the blood. Father, I pray that you bless this time. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that God, that, uh, that you would just, just overwhelm us with the, the presence in and God the and the thoughts of the blood of Christ. Give, God, it's only through the blood that we can have that, 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 that redemption. It's only and through the blood that we can have our conscience cleared. It's only through the blood that we can secure eternal inheritance. Let us give you the praise that we're due. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you today? Maybe today you want to just come and pray for someone. And say, God, I just pray that you would just open my, 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 my friend's eyes or my child's eyes or my family. Just come and pray. Folks, there's no one, there's no, there's no one who has sinned so much. They've sinned more, the their Jesus. sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. As long as there's prayer, there's still hope. We just come as we stand, as we sing. The altar's open, my friend. I invite you to come. You need someone to pray with you? We'll be right here for you. The altar's open, my friend. So let's start singing it right now. Verse 1. 1, 2, and 3, and 4, and 1, So the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. I invite you to come. Don't wait on someone else. Come now. Do you need to talk to someone? you need someone to pray with? Do you need to? Do you know your sins have been forgiven? I invite you to come.
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Christ is not ashamed of you. 